Hey folks, this is Ricky Warwick from Black Star Riders, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalheads, Scott here, and... And Richie. Still not getting used to the Skype thing, but uh, we are uh, virtually together again in the uh, in the studio, talking to each other again, and bringing you episode 491 with the great talk that Richie did with uh, Ricky Warwick. Nice, nice one with that, too. I really enjoyed editing that one, and uh, I like the little different view you brought to it. Yeah, I've, I've spoken to Ricky now three times, I think. Hmm. I don't know what it is, fellow Irishman. I think that's what it is. Get to get get together <laughs> and just natter. Um, Ricky's been doing the uh, the interview circuit. He's been hitting it pretty hard promoting the album. It's um, it's a good record. It's a very good record. He's he's very prolific. Black Star Riders. They've done four albums. He's been doing solo stuff. He's a prolific guy. You know, he's a good songwriter. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, I think was it a week ago, two weeks ago, we were talking a little bit about uh, the whole thing with the with the split with the vinyl and the CDs and the new releases, and we talked a little bit about that. And then I think it was probably the next day or two days later, I get I get an email, and I had ordered both the CD and the LP versions of the uh, new editions of Mob Rules and Heaven and Hell, supposed to come out for like, I think, March 15th or whatever was the original date. Now the new date on the vinyl I got was June 15th. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? So, yeah, I think that's probably the worst split that I've seen yet. I hope it changes. But, uh, yeah, it's like the CD is still pretty much on on cycle. But, yeah, it's like a three-month delay on the vinyl. I was like, ah, I, I just have to mention this to Richie. <laughs> <laughs> is that for both of them? Yeah, for both of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that. That's a that's ridiculous. It is. I mean, I hope it changes, but it, as of right now, it's like wow. It, it definitely it definitely sucks. But uh, so where where are you buying? Where are you buying it now? Are you buying it from the company or Amazon? No, I'm or? getting it from Amazon, but it's it's going to be the same anywhere. It's like if it isn't, if you don't have it, you don't have it. Okay. Do you, do you don't know what label is releasing it? Um, I think it's coming through Rhino. Okay. Did you try and go on the Rhino website and no. see what they said on that? No, it's like it's like I said. If it's if they're not, you know, you, you make most of your stuff close to Amazon anyway. So if suddenly someone's if they don't if they can't get it, you're not going to get it from someone else any sooner. I mean, yeah, I saw so you that order with some other vinyl too, with uh, some so of the, like Zach Sabbath and stuff like that, where uh, it was impossible even to get it from the label releasing it. <laughs> You bu- so you bought the CD and mm-hmm. the vinyl. Oh yeah. And do you do you have to wait now for the vinyl to come out to get the CD, or no, are they going to no, ship to you? Like it, that would be if you know if I'm getting that through uh, Nuclear Blast, then yeah, I'll have to wait till all of it. But no, they'll they just as they get it, they ship it out. Okay. So as a general rule, and you might you might notice, but you might because you normally order the different packages. Just say you order the CD and the vinyl in good faith. Mm-hmm. And the vinyl gets delayed. You don't get an op. They don't even give you the option of paying the shipping cost to get the CD, do they? They just do they even email you and say you're not going to get it for another four weeks. Do you get any correspondence at all from them telling you that there's a delay with the vinyl? Yeah, yeah, that's how I know. I get a shipping. Okay. Entry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, but I'm on about in general with all the other companies that you deal with to order the stuff. Nah, not usually. <laughs> so you're waiting for the stuff to come mm-hmm. and then none of it comes until the vinyl comes out and they don't even tell you for nuclear blast yeah oh man but they tell you sucks. right up front they'll tell you right up front that we ship it all in full it's part of the terms you yeah, agree to when you order yeah but you're ordering that thinking that the vinyl and the CD is going to be coming out at the same time yep <sighs> I don't man that that sucks sorry (laughs) can you imagine can you imagine like waiting three months from the cd release date to the vinyl that's a joke yeah is it demand i don't know is it like 
I don't know, is it demand? Well, to, part of it, like so I said, it's, there's not enough for, there's not enough pressing plants doing it for one. So, you know, okay. and, and you've you got to think that, you know, a year ago, probably you weren't having uh, a lot of things coming out on both formats. And now it's almost a, at least for, you know, the stuff we listen to, it's pretty normal now for them to have a CD and a vinyl release for almost everything. Yeah. But when, when did you order these? Um, like a week after they got announced. Okay. So like back in what? like December, January, something like that. Yeah. Cause I'm saying now, if you had waited a while and ordered it, then I can understand maybe there being a delay for a while because they probably printed so many in the beginning and then there was so there was extra demand and now they have to wait to get more. But if you're ordering more or less up front, yeah, I'm pre- there's I a three-month delay. Yeah, all, that, all no, the stuff that's, that I do is all pre-order, so it's not even that's even that's that's wrong. Because I was thinking of actually ordering them. <laughs> now you're to telling me that they're they're going to be delayed for three months. I'm like, ah, fuck that. Yeah, well, like I said, <laughs> hey, I'm hoping it changes. But it just I just kind of struck me as like, well, we just talked about this, and uh, yeah. yeah. Now the last time I spoke to you, um, did you have the accept album? No, I'm still waiting. It's it's inbound from Germany as we speak. <laughs> I just got the shipping notification. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't even heard the album and it's out about a month uh-huh yeah and, it, and, and, and it's coming from the, it from the label right from the label and that's oh, the, that's the thing it wasn't on. it didn't get it till the vinyl was ready for that one yeah but that's that's uh, i mean one you're buying you're buying an import and uh you know you're agreeing up front to the the whole shipping thing so yeah but yeah, that one's on its way. I did get the notification for that. And the day after we recorded this, the uh, brand new Accept album did in fact roll in through the post. So everybody can calm down. All is good. Don't have to worry anymore. Did you get the Shanko record? Oh, I've had that for a little bit. Okay. Yeah, you I listened got, to it? I got the uh, the whole box set one for that. Okay. And what what do you think of the album? I haven't even listened to it yet. I, 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 I haven't got it. Ah. Um, I didn't even order the last one. The one, the one he did with the uh, with the singers. Really? Uh, that was good. No, Resurrection, is it? Yeah, yeah, it was I good. Never, I never even got, I never even got that. Oh. There's certain albums that have come out and they just, I don't know. I was, I was, I'm always thinking, yeah, I'll get it. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I never got that. <laughs> like last year, the Firewind album is another one. Hmm. I never got that. And there's, there's a couple more. Um, I think some of it has to do with me getting back into vinyl that I've been getting a lot of old vinyl. Hmm. Okay, and I'm listening to a lot of vinyl at home and not CDs. Right, um, I'm not buying as many CDs. But will I get the Shanker album? I don't know. I think I'd, I'd probably get the last one first. <laughs> yeah, Res- Resurrection was good. That was the other. I got I got the box set for that one too. Yeah, it was a good. Yeah, one. the thing I find now with Michael, I'm I'm not a fan of these albums with multiple singers on it because I'm looking for continuity. You want yeah, what, but, like, but I mean, it goes with the thing. Or, I mean, it's the, it's the Michael Shanker Fest. If you go buy the ticket to go see the show, you see in multiple singers. I mean, that's, yeah, but that's, that's, Michael Shanker, that's, that's Michael Shanker Fest. This is MSG, Michael Shanker Group. And all the Michael Shanker Group records are at one singer on them, as far as I know. And now, of course, he's got, who's he got on this? Jolyn Turner, uh, Ronnie Ramiro, who's on every second album that seems to be coming out these days. Um, who else has he got on it, Scott? Oh, but that's, um, that's that's the current one, though. But that's not that's not what Resurrection was. No, Resurrection was um, was the fest. Yeah. But this is this is MSG. It's not it's not a fest record, and yeah. he's still got multiple singers on it. Michael can do what he wants. Shaken, <laughs> <man>. <sighs> I don't care. Come on, you're talking to the guy <laughs> that got up at four thirty in the morning to talk to him. So you know. I know, I know. You, you, you I'll never do that. You, you can. Mick <laughs> uh, Wall is the earliest I spoke to, and that was at six in the morning. Oh, and you you were you worked for years to get that one, so uh, I did. Yeah, I did. So I, I I can do six. I'm not doing four thirty. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I, I do want to mention something what? else too, which is kind of I thought it was yeah. interesting, and I thought it might get a little comment from you. Did you hear the the whole statement from Megadeth about the new album? Uh, which one? Which statement? that they were not going to put the album out until they were able to tour for it. That I did not hear. Yeah, so they said that, what was it, like, I think February 5th, February 8th, something like that. They had come out and said that, uh, 
yep, it's done. And they're not putting it out until they can actually tour behind it. Well, it's either one or the other. It's either put the album out and then you can't do anything. And then, but you have new product out there to promote your music or you can just bitch and moan about you can't tour and it's dumb to put out a new record during COVID because you can't tour yeah, and promote. Yeah, that's kind of where I was like, I just, I don't know, I had a problem with that because, and, and this is why, and we've talked about this before, whether we've talked about it on the show, we've just talked about it personally. And that's that most bands now, they put an album out, they tour behind that album. And if we're lucky, unless it's Iron Maiden, then you hear one, maybe two songs off the new album. So why yeah. would you delay a tour if you're probably going to play one, if not two songs off the new album? It doesn't make sense. You know, Iron mm-hmm. Maiden, they do their new album tour cycle. Then they do kind of their, you know, classic throwback tour cycle. And they just go back and forth. And you kind of know what you're going to be, what you're going to get. But, you know, but by and large, you only get a couple of songs off a new album. And, and you know, Megadeth does the same thing. They've got a big back catalog and they got to they get all the stuff people want to hear. It's not like they're going to present the whole album, the whole new album, or they're not going to take like seven songs off the new album. So why would you not tour? Yeah, we saw Megadeth hmm. in Boston for Super Glitter. Mm-hmm. And they played one song and it was a Super Glitter tour. They played Kingmaker. Hmm. And that was it. Right. And I saw him on the Gigantour. Um, when Dystopia was out in New Jersey and they played six or seven songs off Dystopia. Hmm. I've seen them do both. Okay. You have to think that, can they, can they sell the CD at the gigs? Is that a factor? Yeah, and, and when, you were, when you went down to New Jersey, were they selling a lot, of, a lot of CDs as merch or was it just, you know, T-shirts? Mostly T-shirts. Yeah. I, don't, I, didn't, I don't recall ever see, even seeing the CD there. Hmm. But they did play more than half that record and on the on super collider the, the super collider tour they only played one song off the record yeah i just, um, but I just in, ge- in general you're right you know yeah in general you're right you have to factor in as well how much control does the band have and when the album is released the labels might want it out because of the budgets they might say right i want your album has to come out in this quarter hmm. And then in the second quarter, we've got this other big band and their album is coming out and it's coming out no matter what. That the band isn't in control of when the album is coming out or not. Maybe at this stage of their career, Megadeth, they're more in control of it. Yeah, I, I uh, think they're, in, they're more in control of when this stuff's coming out. But you look at, we, you know, we deal with a shitload of Frontiers acts. Mm-hmm. They haven't stopped releasing music at all. Now, you could say that 99% of the bands that Frontiers bring bring out don't tour anyway yeah, correct <laughs> but they, they, they still bring out they still haven't st- you know they still brought out music mm-hmm. all the time i'm getting emails every single week this frontiers album another frontiers album this project and mm-hmm. you know four more projects next the following week and then this other band is coming out with another album and you know you've some of the bigger bands like except brought out a I brought out an album this year. Michael Schenker's brought out an album, but I know some of them brought out albums just be around the time COVID hit. Yeah, and because they've postponed tours, they haven't been able to. They, well, you see, the band will say they haven't been able to promote the record, and I'm agreeing with you saying you're not going to play any of it anyway. Yeah, like the, the, if the fans want the record, they're going to get it, even if you're touring or not. And if you go and you play some of it at the concert. What's going to happen is some of the fans are going to bitch and moan saying, oh, you didn't play all the old stuff. Like the band is in a really in a no win situation. Mm-hmm. And my take on it is get the music out. The, you know, yeah. if, 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 you, if you tour in six months or eight months time, they're still going to go and watch you play. Right. And if anything, you know? <laughs> you're like, you've kind of gotten, you know, what songs you like, you, you know, you can be, you know, communicate with the band about, hey, you know, we should really play this or play that or what, or, you know, you maybe you can build something a little bit better on it. But I, I yeah. just, I don't know. I mean, I want, yeah. I don't, I want new Megadeth and, that, you know, to know that it's, it's done. I just don't, I just don't get it. I mean, you can, you also got to figure that, you know, it'd be really interesting to find out from an average concert going uh, bunch of folks, you know, how many people that go to concerts, 
nowadays actually buy product, whether it's digital product or whether it's it's physical product. How many people actually buy product and how many people just go because, you know, oh, I like this band. Yeah, I haven't bought anything from them in the last 15 years, but I like this band and it's a thing to do when I'm going to go out and see them. I think a lot of I think if you're a hard rock band, it's more I like this band. I'm going to go out and see them. I haven't bought anything new. I think if you're into Megadeth and Metallica, some of the heavier bands from the 80s, yeah, you're more inclined to have a fair idea of, of what what all their albums sound like. Yeah. You're not going to go and I want to hear two songs, and you're going to wait for those two songs to come in the encore because they're the only two songs you know, right. <laughs> Um, with Megadeth, I think they've got a pretty loyal fan base um, who've been who've been with them the whole time. Now, you know, they probably say it's some of the albums aren't as good as others, and they've got their favourites. But mm. I think they have a fair idea of their, the whole catalogue at this stage. Um, but yeah, that is odd. Yeah, that's like I, I said. Know, I was like, I, I saw, I, I heard that, and then I just kind of double checked. Like, yeah, did I really hear that right? And and uh, yeah, and I was like, yeah, I, I just want to kind of throw this out there because yeah, it just and then and then, and then you, you have to factor in you have a market now that's probably starved of new new music mm-hmm. from a lot of bands, and if Megadeth released an album now, I think it'd be a big deal because they wouldn't have a, a really a lot of competition in that genre mm-hmm. because Anthrax. Of nothing new, Metallica have nothing new, Slayer are done. I think I mean, Overkill are recording a record, Death Angel haven't had anything out in a while. And but what's going to happen then is when all the tours start up again, are we going to be is there going to be a deluge of new albums at the same time and everything's just going to get buried? Right. I mean, to me, I'm thinking, you know, you, you almost do the you almost do the Armored Saint thing, right? Where Saint put out the new album and then they did a streaming, th- you know, deal so you could they could play for however long they wanted to they could it was kind of like an intimate show kind of a deal and and uh it just it seemed to me like a you know there's a there's a nice compromise where you can if you do something like that you kind of have this cd release party you really kind of build that up and you maybe you can monetize that a little bit as well that would help and then really get the word out on the album um as opposed to just trying to you know present it live in some big venue or whatever. I, I don't know. I just feel like there'd be a, a better way to, to do it. And then maybe, like I said, monetize some of that a little bit too, at the same time. And, and just kind of like you mentioned, you, you really have a captive audience of people that are at home starved for this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, you, if you drop this kind of capability in their lap, I think, it, I think it'd be good for everybody. And then, you know, you also have to think about, you know, once venues start to open up again and stuff, they're probably not going to be able to, to to do the full capacity. And then, you know, how many people are going to decide that they just don't feel safe going as well? So are you going to present your, you know, wait to have your album come out and then you're going to present it in kind of a deprecated format because of either people's fears or venues abilities or all that. I just feel like it's done. Find a great way that you can use your captive audience and promote it to the maximum while you can. Mm. And Megadeth were always one of these bands that every two or three years had an album. Yeah, you can nearly set your clock to it. Every two or three years, you could, other than the time where Dave more split up the band or after after Risk, hmm. they've they've always nearly had a record every two or three years, more or less. And then you had to delay because Dave had cancer, and now they're delaying it even more because of. Uh, they want to wait till they tour. And Dystopia was such a strong record for critically acclaimed. Mm. I thought it was a really, really good record. And you have momentum from that. And now you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, waiting for all the live shows to open up again. Mm-hmm. And what are they going to do? They're going to just sit until the end of the year and then come out. And then what, what happens then at the end of the year? If the live shows aren't back, do they just say, oh, yeah, we're going to wait another six months? Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 another band, like one of my favorite bands is King's X. Hmm. Where's their new record? When I spoke to Doug Pinnock over a year ago, it was more or less done. Yeah. And they haven't released it. Like they're, they're getting like uh, John Sykes. <laughs> <laughs> John Sykes is the poster child. It used to be Axl Rose. Now it's John Sykes. Uh-huh. But I, 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 
listen, I, I get where they're coming from, where, where the bands are coming from. It's, you know, there's, there's obviously a financial thing involved with this, that they want to set up everything, you know, but you're, you're dealing with uncertain times here. And one of the things Ellison said to me, you adapt, you improvise. Mm -hmm. Remember he said that to me in the interview? Yeah. Well, what, what are Megadeth doing? <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, put a new song out. Give, give the fans something. Yeah. Don't yeah. just say, ah, we're going we're gonna to wait. Because a lot of the other bands, they're not waiting. They're putting it out. They know they can't tour. And the fans are, are lapping it up saying, wow, that fucking Armored Saint album is amazing. Mm. Absolutely amazing. They went out and they did all the interview circuit for it. And they're going to be playing shows hopefully soon enough when it, when it opens up. That's not really going to affect their, their, you know, the ticket sales, I don't think, that much. But the fans are going to, the fans will look at Armored Saint and they'll say, thanks for releasing that album in the middle of COVID. That got me through through some shitty times. Right. And the album was 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 great. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, get I think it. if I, anything, you know, you're, you're trapped. You have a little bit more time to do kind of that, that old school absorption of that stuff too, you know? I won't count myself in that because I'm still so damn busy that I barely have time to absorb anything. Although I did listen to... Uh, toddlatory one about six times in a row while i was working on the new website so uh yeah i mean it's very good isn't it? it it is and yeah i just kept like like i played it once and i was like hmm i got up played it again then i just kept the remote by me and i was like all right i'm playing it again and i just kept working the yeah. new website and i just kept playing it again and again and again yeah yeah it's very good let's talk for a minute about carlos cavazzo what he said recently in an interview i think it's with, with jason green okay. and it's getting a bit of traction out there so he was asked about quite riot uh -huh. and of course quite riot have decided to continue his opinion was that it was a stupid thing to do they're going to continue with who um the lineup then this jizzy pearl it's alex grossi on guitar it's chuck Wright on bass and johnny kelly i believe is the drummer from okay. typo negative. So, so I have I didn't even hear this yet, but so the, uh, you said they have Chuck on bass, right? So this is as this far is, as I know, it's Chuck. So on this bass, is like yes. having this is like having who was it? Billy Childs go out as Britney Fox. Yeah, uh, it's like it. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it, you no, know, yes, you have you have an original member which. Coincidentally, most people no, don't, don't even realize is, is is an original member with Chuck. Who? Chuck. Is he? He's an original member. He's the guy who did the uh, the the original bass on on the album. Everyone thinks it's it's Rudy. It's Chuck. On so Metal he's more Health. original than Rudy, right? Uh, did he do Did he do all the songs on Metal Health or just a couple? As far as I know, he's the, he's the bassist on the album. Okay, but they're going out. And they've already announced dates. It makes no sense. Um, but what the spin on it is, Frankie wanted the band to continue. This is all comes down to the banner behind the drum kit saying quite right. It doesn't matter who's in who's in it. And then you brought up the, the, the fans going to gigs wanting one or two songs. And I mentioned hard rock bands. Mm -hmm. This is a hard rock band that people will go to hear. Come on, feel the noise. Mama, we're all crazy now and bang your head. 80% of the people probably have no idea who's on the stage. That's quite right on the sign behind the stage, and they're all, they all go home happy. And listen, if, if that's the way you want to... probably right. It's, it's yeah, if that's, the way you, yeah. if that's the way you want to be, that that's fine. But one thing I would like, I, I, I'd be interested to know, and they're, they're obviously going out, you know, a lot of this is money, mm -hmm. right? That the, the, the name, you know, Quite right name still brings some form of income to these guys. With Frankie gone now, I'd love to know what their guarantees are. Have they gone down considerably from when Frankie was in the band? Yeah. Because if you're a promoter now, do, are you even looking at that? Who's in the band? And it's like, mm, well, I've, we're having quite right. And does the promoter even know <laughs> that, fr that the guys aren't there, that, that he thought were there you know if you're a promoter that has half a clue then yeah you 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 have known in the past that yeah kevin is pushing up the daisies and you know maybe you didn't know that frankie passed away but you know you know that there's definitely a change in the band mm. 
Mm. But the, t- the, the band Carlos is in Rough Riot. Mm-hmm. That's Carlos, Sean McNabb, uh, Paul Shortino. Yeah. So they're, they're as credible as Quiet Riot as the new version of Quiet Riot. Well, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, you've got more members there that played on a Quiet Riot album than the current yeah. called Quiet you've got Riot. Three. Yeah. You've got three of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 that's craziness. It's just craziness. It's income. I get it. It's income for the guys in the band. It also tells me that more, more or less bands they don't really care who's in them anymore that as long as they own the name they're going to go out and, and make money and good luck to them you know you again you look at Rat all the drama there you had Bobby Blodsford's Rat <laughs> then you had Rat with yeah, you had Rat with there was Bobby and Warren and mm-hmm. then you had Rat with Juan and Stephen it's all it's all Rat they, they don't care who's in the band as long as they have the name behind them yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, this, it just seems just—I don't know. It just seems fucked up to me. Like, why you would, why you would even do it? Honestly, I wouldn't go and see him. I, I wouldn't. I, I didn't. I never went and saw him with Frankie, and I think they played up here a couple of times. Yeah. Um, Frankie, shit hot drummer. You know, ne- I never had a chance to interview or meet him, but fantastic drummer. Yeah. But a drummer wouldn't make a drummer from an original band or from the classic lineup. Just a drummer. Wouldn't make me go and see the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I said. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just weird. Yeah. I actually, I, I, was, <laughs> I think I probably told you that we were actually we were supposed to open for Quiet Riot once. Then the booking agent for the club we were at, he got hired by another club. So we took all the bookings to the new club. So there were other bands that were traveling, like as far as Vermont, to play on this bill. And they, and they all get down there. And then they're all opening for us because Quiet Ryan wasn't there. And suddenly we get to be the headliner. Can you imagine like traveling to like from like Vermont down to here and then be like, we're opening for who? Like what? What the hell is Quiet Riot? So uh, <laughs> I think it would be just as probably even more disappointing to go to a show and you find that there's like no real Quiet Riot there. I mean, at, at least at least, you know, what Carlos is doing and stuff. They're not calling it Quiet Riot. At least they're they're calling it something different. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we're half rough cut, we're half Quiet Riot. Uh, so that's what we are. You know, I just I feel there's more credibility I, to that. I don't even know if that's done. They did certain shows, I think, around the Vegas area, hmm. and uh, I think because of COVID, it shut everything down and and nothing happened there. But I'd rather go see that, yeah, than Quiet Riot. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of that is because I'm a huge fan of Paul Shortino and, and the album he did with Quiet Riot. Yeah. But I'd rather see that with Carlos than Quiet Riot with Jizzy and Alex and, and Chuck and, and Johnny Kelly. Yeah. And they're all, I mean, they're all good players and stuff too. I mean, I'm sure oh, they're they great sound players. awesome, but I, I just like, uh, it's just not Quiet Riot. <laughs> well, people have been saying it hasn't been quite right for years, ever since Kevin passed away. Yeah, true, true. And then you got you got to you got to look at Jizzy, and of course, I again, I've never interviewed Jizzy. I love love hate fantastic band, mm. but Jizzy has been in L.A. Guns, he's been in Rat, he's been in Quiet Riot. Is he the is he the guy on Speed Dial who's number one when <laughs> the singer leaves to come in? No, and does. Like he's obviously talented enough to be able to do all of that right. and pull it off, but I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> they're they're going to do shows, and we'll we'll see what sort of a, attendance they get. Yeah, I but think man. you're right, though. I, I I think unfortunately, I think you're you are dead on right that you know they're going to get booked as something like you know like the M3 or something. And there's just going to be people that are out there and be like, "Ooh, quiet riot," and they're just going to have. No real basis for what the hell they're watching. I'm sure the band will sound good. They'll just be like, "Yeah, you know, hey, we just saw Quiet Riot. It was awesome." You know, I just, I think you're 100 percent right. I think there's going to be some of them. Their momentum when they come back is, "Oh, Frankie recently passed away. Quiet Riot, great band. Let's go and support them." Mm. There's going to be some of that. I think that's out there, but I don't think that's going to last. Yeah. And again, how long are the guys going to stay around? Yeah, you know, if it's not working, and they're not getting, they're not getting the guarantees, and people aren't going to go out and see him. Right, they're not going to. Oh yeah, we'll keep going out because Frankie wanted us to do it. Frankie might want you to do it, but if you're coming home with no money, you're not going out. 
<laughs> it's right. as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just, it's kind of out there. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, just before I go, Jeff Tate's announced um, more of these Empire Rage for Order 30th anniversary shows, and really? a couple of them are up our way huh. in New, Bed- New Bedford. Oh, I think he's announced about 10 or 12 shows. That's a drive to that one. Holy crap. That album's going to be 35 years old, and they'll be doing 30th anniversary shows. <laughs> I will say, though, that was, again, I think it was the only show we saw this year, so there's that. But it was a good show. Yeah. He, he put on a really good, good show. Yeah. But what, what he's doing next year, and he's announced it in Europe, it's the warning to Promised Land. Oh. oh. So he, he's gone the nostalgia route now completely as well. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. He has the Sweet Oblivion record coming out. Wouldn't surprise me if we hardly ever see anything with his name on it come out ever again. Hmm. And he's a great singer. He still is a great singer. Yeah, yeah. But he's gone the nostalgia circuit now. It's his bread and butter. All those albums made him made him iconic, and he might as well uh, milk it for all he can get. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, well, there's, there's not going to be Q2K to uh, dedicated the Chaos tour. <laughs> <laughs> Man. I had a I had a ticket to go and see him on that dedicated to chaos tour, and that afternoon I got an email. It was in Hampton Beach mm. saying that Jeff was sick. Looking back now, I don't know whether that was a bad thing or a good thing when it comes to that album. <laughs> 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 but then again, I would have seen him before they imploded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it was a good. That was at least at least we had one good show this year. Or last year, I should say. Now, are you going to Nightwish in October in the Songus and Lowell? Are you going to go? I, you know what? To be honest, I didn't even know they were playing in the, the Songus. Are you a fan? I like some of their stuff. I'm not like a wholesale, like every single thing. Mm. But some of it, yeah. I'm not the symphonic metal guy. You know me. Mm. That show would be something that the day of or the day before. I've already had two offers on that. Two for the price of one. Uh, one of them was for Valentine's. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy my wife a Nightwish concert ticket. That mightn't happen. <laughs> That'll go down well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, have, they have a weird. And, they have a weird fan dynamic too, where they kind of they 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 attract a wide band of of varying folks. You know, so it's mm-hmm. as opposed to some other symphonic bands. But yeah, like I said, some of that stuff is that they do is is. Uh, it's pretty cool. I think it's. I like more of the the driving stuff that they were, they were doing. But yeah, across the board, I'm not like one of those. Oh, if it comes out, I'm getting it kind of a thing. No, not really that. The bass player left. It was how how big a member was he in the band when it comes to like vocals and songwriting and stuff? Nah, it's really the the it's really the keyboard player. He's the main driving guy behind it. Okay, okay. I might take a wander down. That's if it's on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem now is, will you fork out your money uh-huh. for uh, for concert tickets? You you did it over a year ago, thinking that the gigs were on and they got postponed. Yep. But now the longer they've been postponed or cancelled, you're announcing a gig now and you're thinking, yeah, the vaccine's in and the gig will happen. And But in the back of your mind, you still have to think, Mm, if it's a if it's a big arena show, right? There's a bigger risk of that not happening. Do, do you think the stadium tour is going to happen with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and, and um, Poison? Yeah, I think it still will. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but yeah, I think it still will. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about this year. Do you think it's going to happen this year? That I don't know. What about M3? I think that's in April, and they haven't cancelled in Maryland. Right. I do you think that's going to go ahead? I think that'll that will probably happen because that's going to be a bigger space. Yeah. Okay. I don't think any of them are going to happen because hmm. they're, they're canceling all the festivals. I, I know it's a different kettle of fish. A lot of the festivals in Europe they're already canceled hmm. or postponed. Yeah. They've already done it. There's it's like forget it. Twenty twenty two. Aerosmith have rescheduled their whole tour. They just rescheduled it all to next year. Hmm. The Aussie shows will probably never happen. He'll be 90 by the time uh, <laughs> that, that, that comes around. I think at this stage, Judas Priest should just do their own headline show and stop waiting for Ozzy and just go out and do it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that there's going to be that many shows we're going to be going to in the next few months. No. I think I'm going to keep my money in my wallet for a while and wait until closer to show dates and uh, 
and then find out what if they're definitely happening and then and then go from there yeah yeah, yeah i'm yeah, just man. being practical i know the venues don't want it that way and i know the bands want you to fork out the money now but I think it's you've got to be a little bit realistic as well, mm. yeah. Because I know you've got money tied up in concerts that have been postponed a couple of times. That I have, yep. That's my yeah. expenditures between concerts and lives. <laughs> yep, concerts and life <laughs> drags on. All right, but anyways, on a better note, what do you say we yep. uh, we just, we uh, roll the the great chat you had with with uh, Ricky Warwick? Because uh, definitely, like I said, this one. Now, I think I think my opinion out of the park interview. You hit on a lot of stuff for them. I think there were several questions that really made him stop and think, which is always good. And I, I I think after this, you know, multiple times you talking, you I think you've really developed kind of a rapport with them. So uh, yeah, I think this is just a great a great interview, and I think it's a good uh, a good teaser for folks that want to pick up the uh, the new album. Yeah, get the album. It's really good. All right. So what do you say we roll that? Okay. All right. Good. How's it going, Richard? You well? I'm all right. Good to talk to you again. You too, my friend. Yeah, yeah. So where are you? On the West Coast again, out in L.A.? Yep, still in L.A. Yeah, okay. So I, I got about half an hour with you, and I got a lot of stuff to get into. So, I, I, yeah, I want to talk to you about songwriting and then the, the record. But I have to ask you, first off, about Brexit and, and being a musician post-Brexit. Um, yeah. I, I read... A lengthy Facebook post from Fish a couple of weeks ago, the ex Marillion singer. I read, I read the same one myself. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was, it was looked like it was a pretty stark picture for him when it comes to traveling and touring with visa costs. They have to hire an extra bus driver. You got customs restrictions, and and then you read reports that the UK rejected an offer from the EU for visa-free tours by musicians mm-hmm. that would have enabled you guys to travel without a permit. You have a lot yeah. of friends over there, like Joe Elliott, Luke Morley, you know, a sure. lot of a lot of musician friends. What are they saying about it? Well, you know, personally for me, I have an Irish passport, which is great. <laughs> so I can still move around freely as much as I want. But sadly, you know, our crew and other people and in, in, in bands that I'm involved in don't, don't have that. Logistically, um, I think it's just it, it's a huge step backwards. You know, it's even worse, I think, than it was back before the European Union existed. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I remember touring in the early days, late eighties, early nineties, the Almighty, when you still had to do the carnies. But even then, there was still some sense of freedom. Um, being the eternal optimist, Richie, I think it'll get better. I think there's already plans in place where the certain countries are saying that you don't need a visa now to go to go and tour. And I've talked to a couple of of the of pals that I have that, are, that work, work for quite high-profile bands and they're start, starting to see uh, a bit of common sense coming in. And I think that when the extent of it's realized that, you know, the, the arts is just worth way too much money for everybody. And it works both ways. I mean, European bands don't want restrictions on them coming to the UK. I think that it's going to be very messy out the gate. And as I'm, I'm to be, on a personal level, I'm, I'm already seeing it with my record. I have, I have some of my vinyls that are held up in, in, in uh, French customs right now, you know, for my album release next week. And uh-huh. I've been customs and have, and have been for, you know, quite a few weeks because of Brexit. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's a mess. It's just, it's a dumb move, in my opinion. Uh, I think the British people were sold a lie. I don't think, I, I think they didn't read the small print. I think they were totally sold a lie. And I think, you know, you're already seeing how it's affecting people. You're already seeing the, the chaos that it's causing in Ireland with the, with the border. Um, yeah. and, and nobody seems to really know what's going on there, you know. Um, I, I have, you know, family that, that have businesses in, in Ireland and they're already, they, they're, they're, everybody's just confused. Nobody seems to know what what you can and what you can't do and what's being made clear. I think that's the problem. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm baffled by it, but then nothing baffles me anymore, you know. People just seem to make some horrendous decisions now and, you know what I think was good. That what was wrong with unity? What was wrong with moving forward? What was part? What was wrong with being part of a European Union where you know trade was accessible and you could move with a relative sense of freedom throughout Europe? And having done that and, as a musician and toured like that for the last you know ten, fifteen years, it was brilliant. You know, and touring was hard enough anyway with fuel costs going up, and you know, obviously they were just the hours that you can. You know, drivers can drive now, so you would need sometimes double, more double drivers. The costs were already high to begin with. Bring in Brexit now, you're just you're just pulling more fuel on on that fire, and uh, 
I don't get it, but I'm trying to be optimistic and I'm trying to hopefully that there'll be common sense might prevail, but I think it's going to be a lot of bumps along the road. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like, you know. Yeah, so Ricky, let's move on. I want to ask you about songwriting. I'm going to go way back now. Can you remember the first song you ever wrote? I can. I can indeed. Yeah, I've got a demo of it actually as well. It was a song called Gives Me Back My Mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote it when I was about 14 years old and we demoed it in a little studio in Straven in Scotland. I just moved there from Belfast and I just got together with, with, with the band for the first time in school. And we went in and I still have the demo. And I tell you what's funny, I was playing it um, a few months ago. I was working on something with Robbie Crane from Black Star Writers and I can remember the riff and I was playing it. And Robbie goes, what's that? What's that? He goes, that's great. And I went, that's the first song I ever wrote. He said, we should absolutely do something with that. He said, that's a really good. So you never know, it might eventually end up being used in some form by Black Star Writers down the road, which would be amazing. Nice. And 40 years later, 40 nice. years later, you know. Yeah. What do you think is the first great song you wrote? Um, Probably, you know, I think probably destroyed on the first Almighty album or Wild and Wonderful. Probably Wild and Wonderful, I think, was the first song that I could see that it really connected with, with a lot of people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you believe in the saying that there's a, there's a song in every guitar? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, I have certain, certain guitars that I know that I, I prefer to write on. If that makes sense, there's certain guitars, I, I, I like writing on those guitars as opposed to the other guitars that sort of go in my arsenal that, you know, I have a main, I have, main, I have two main guitars that, uh, that I write on and I tend to stick with them. Mm. Do you, do you write on one for black star writers and one for solo stuff or, or does it matter? No, it's the same. I, I, I basically try and write everything acoustically. I very, very rarely write on the electric guitar. I mean, the odd, the odd song, you know, if I just feel like picking it up and making, making a hell of a racket one day, I'll, or maybe something will come out on the election. But I'd say ninety percent of the songs I've written in the last over oh, the last nearly twenty years have all been started life on an acoustic guitar. Okay. Do you still have the first electric guitar you bought when you were thirteen? No, I wish I did. I really wish I did. Because uh, I see them on I see them on eBay now and they're going for a couple of grand now. Wow. Because obviously the company company's not make, doesn't make them anymore. Okay. Um, and I really wish I'd, I'd held on to it, but I sadly I don't. I've asked a lot of guitar players that question, and some of them still have it. Like Richie Kotzen was yep. one of them, and a lot of the others, right. one of the regrets is that they never kept the first one. No, my my goal, Richie, was always to get to Les Paul, and you know, just did not having the cash available. It was trying to trade guitars to eventually manage to sort of trade and beg, steal, and borrow to get to that that first Les Paul. So the first guitar I had was called a Westbury guitar. It was a Japanese guitar, really, really good little guitars, and that was the first electric I had. And then I treated that for a box guitar. I don't know if you remember those, those box made guitars back mm. in the the eighties. And then I, I treated that up, and then I think from the box I was able to get my hands on my first. Uh, it was a Gibson Gibson Marauder, was what they were called, another eighties guitar, not quite a Les Paul, like a cheap version of a Les Paul. And mm. then from the Gibson Marauder, I finally managed to get my hands on my first Les Paul. Yeah, Ricky, have you ever suffered from writer's block? Um, I mean, I have, but not to any great extent that it's been very detrimental to not writing anything for like a year or something like that. Um, I've certainly had times where I've been struggling or, or what I've written hasn't been any good or or I've got a bit disillusioned with, with what I've been writing, but I've never had the total, oh, I just can't get anything to write. That's never happened to me, mm. thank God. Is it, when it does happen to you, the odd time is it normally with the lyrics or with the music? Um, it's usually lyrically. It's usually, you know, trying to say something or or not go down a road you've been down before or trying not to repeat yourself. I think that's the my, my biggest fear. You know, mm. are you someone who's constantly editing your lyrics right up until you're recording, or are you yeah. all, you yeah. are you're very picky yeah. on that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll change anything. I'm very, I'm very into the whole, the, the phonetics of it. It has to flow. It has to, it has to fit with the music, even though you're trying to say something. There has to be a certain, uh, a certain flow to it. And you know, I'm, I could agonize over a, a we, you, or I. You know, it, it, putting that in just to change the whole meaning of a sentence. Like I could spend days agonizing over that one word. Hmm. Would you consider yourself a singer who plays guitar or a guitarist who sings? 
<laughs> Neither. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> a chancer, a chancer who got lucky. No, um, come on. <laughs> somebody, somebody, somebody was good at throwing shapes in front of the mirror and just having to get away with it. Um, I, you know, I, I think primarily I picked up the guitar. I never wanted to be a guitar hero. I wanted to, to, to pick it up and beat the hell out of it and write songs on it. I mean, my guitar heroes are the rhythm guitar players. Those are the guys that, that I love. That, that's what I want to be, the, the, the chunkiness, the rhythm, the chords. You know, the, the, the hugeness of that fat rhythm guitar sound, that's what I always loved. Uh, I think I'm a damn good rhythm guitar player. I'm not a great lead guitar player at all, but I'm a very, I think I'm a very good rhythm guitar player. And, and to me, that, then it just was a tool to write with, you know. That's really the way I look at it. I still do, I think. Yeah. Ricky, when do you know it's time to collaborate on a song idea and not drop it? Um, you mean take it to somebody else? Yeah. Um, when I feel good about it, when I think it's going somewhere, and, and depending on the situation that I'm in, sometimes, like, I, I don't, and this is going to sound facetious, but sort of, I don't need to write with anybody else. I can quite capable of, of, of finishing writing songs on my own, which I've done many, many times. But I really enjoy working with other people. I really put on my ideas. So when it's Black Star Writers, I'm very aware that there's four other guys are going to come in and go, what about this? What do you think about that? And I love that. So with the Black Star Writers idea, I may not go down the road with it as far as I would on, if it was a solo song, if it was a solo song, I may finish it or as regards a new album, I may go, I may take it to Keith Nelson and go, look, I've got a verse and a chorus. Let's, let's work on a bridge for it. You know, that, that type of thing. So it really depends on the situation. And then sometimes I'll just go, you know what? I'm just going to finish this one on my own because, because I can, I can just hear it and see where it's going to go with it. And I don't really want anybody else to, to get involved in it. And that happens sometimes as well. Mm. Do you ever ask yourself why you can't finish it on your own? Like, what am I doing wrong here? No, because I can. I mean, it's never a question of I can't finish this on my own. It's a question of, I, you know, I'm in a situation where I'm in a band with, with um, you know, other guys that, that don't want to get involved. So and, and I want them to be involved. Uh, same with the soul stuff. It's like I, I want to see what, every, you know, Sam Robinson and Sam, Sam and the previous album will send me lyrics which will just send me off in these amazing melodic, you know, uh, chords to, to write the music for it. So there's never a case of I can't finish it on my own without outside help. I absolutely can and I have done so many times. So I'm lucky I'm not, I'm not really need to bring in somebody to sort of get it over the line as it were mm. is there anything lyrically we're talking about the, the new album now Ricky that you can address on this that maybe you can't address with Black Star Writers I don't think so I think the Black Star Writers guys are very good at standing behind the lyrics and I think if there was something they didn't feel was right or they couldn't believe in they would certainly have no hesitation in telling me you know what are you singing about I'm not sure I agree with that if, if it's if we're going to be a bit political with some of the songs, but that's never happened. Um, uh, I think the solo stuff, I can certainly get a wee bit more uh, selfish and, and a bit more introspective on my own sort of personal feelings about a lot of things. I think maybe that's the difference between the two mm. right there. Yeah. What made you pick Keith Nelson for this one? Um, it was a kind of happy accident, to be honest with you. Damon Johnson had left Black Star Riders and we were looking for a replacement. And a good friend, Richard Fortis from Guns N' Roses, called me up and said, have you thought about Keith Nelson, uh, ex-Buck Cherry? And I didn't know Keith, but obviously I knew who he was and, you know, was very aware of his band. And Richard's like, he's a great guy, he's a great guitar player, I think he'd be a guy. So I, I, I got in touch with him and I called him up and we arranged to meet um, in Barney's Beanery in West Hollywood one morning. And he walked in and the first thing out of his mouth, he went, um, he went I'm just going to tell you this before we get going, he says, I don't want the gig. I'm not your guy. <laughs> so, so I was like, what the, what the hell are you doing here then? You know, he said, look, he said, I have massive respect for you and, and, and the band, Black Star Riders. He said, I just, I just felt I should come down and, and tell you in person. And, and he said, I just wanted to talk to you. And, and, and so anyway, long story short, we hung out and we, we you know, had a couple of, a couple of coffees together and tons in common. He says, look, the reason I don't want to do it, he said, I'm, I'm just, I left Buck Cherry. I don't want to go on the road anymore. I don't want to do the six, seven months touring thing anymore. I've got my own studio. I'm, I'm really getting into writing and production. That's where I'm at. He said, would you like to come over and one day and we'll work on a song? So a couple of days later, I headed over to the studio. We got on great, great chemistry. I actually wrote the song Fighting Heart. 
And uh, I sort of took the demo away with me and listened to it for a couple of days. I'm like, you know, that was, that was a good day. I, I like this guy. I like working with him. It was good fun. It was a good vibe. And I called him up and I said, look, Keith, I have more than enough material for a new solo record. Would you be interested in, in getting involved and co-producing and finishing some of the songs with me on it? And he went, absolutely. And, and really, that's how it all started. Mm. How is he different now to work with than Jay Rustin? Um, oh, I mean, well, Keith's a fellow musician. Keith's been in bands and, and, and toured and is a guitar aficionado with a huge collection of Reggie's guitars. You know, Keith's been in the van and been on the road and, and done everything that I've done. So there's that instant connection. So you're almost making an album with somebody that's in your band. Whereas Jay is definitely an amazing engineer, an amazing producer, has been doing it for many, many years. And it's coming in it more from the, the sort of from from that angle, and, and obviously you know Jerry's works, you know his resume is spectacular, um, and Keith and Keith's just starting out down that road. You know Keith's just getting into, into production and, and starting to do very very well for himself. I may add, um, they're just different personalities, different people, different personalities, and they bring different things to 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 to, to both things. And uh, you know I think that's what it is. You're capturing personalities and vibes and what that person brings and the energy that that person brings. Mm. And they're both great, both great in in in, in different ways. Mm. Uh, Ricky, the album is called "When Life Was Hard and Fast." Uh, when was life hardest for you? <laughs> life was hardest for me personally, um, probably the end of the last century, sort of ninety nine, two thousand. Were particularly a couple of rough years for me. I was actually back living in Dublin, and very. Uh, directionless and, and, and just not in a good place and, and you know through no fault of, of anybody else's it was my I made those choices and the choices I made weren't good and I put myself in a sort of predicament and uh, I just remember those years have been extremely extremely tough and, you know obviously learned a lot from it and look back on it and you know vowed never to make the same mistakes or the choices that I made again and learned a hell of a lot from it but it was a very rough time for me mm. absolutely and what about when 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 did you live life too fast you maybe burned the candle on both ends uh, um, I mean I think that the two go hand in hand I think that was that was one of the reasons yeah. I was in the predicament, predicament that I was in back then you know to be honest with you yeah yeah um, the guests you have doing the guitar solos on the album you've got Andy Taylor and Luke Morley um, yeah. did, did you give them any hints on what you wanted from the solos? No, not at all. I mean, the songs were finished and then it was a case of, I, I always wanted, you know, I've been working with Andy uh, prior to doing my album on his solo record, which is coming out later this year. I've been writing with him on that. Look, um, I go way back, but look, we've been mates for 30 years. Look had just been in South America deputizing for Damon before Christian uh, took up the gig full time. He did a few Black Star Writer shows in South America. And I just started work on a solo album. So we were talking about it, and I just said to him, look, I'm, I'm going to do a solo album. I'd love you both to play on it. Uh, you know, you're my mates, first and foremost. And of course, they're, they're like, absolutely. So I think was when the songs are finished, I thought, ah, you know, Andy Keeler would be great on that song, or Luke Morley would be great on this one, or, you know, let's see if I get Joe Elliott to sing back and forth on this. And I'm just in a position where I've met these people through the course of my career that have become my closest and dearest friends, they're insanely talented and I'm a huge fan of, of what they do in, in their own right as musicians, you know? Mm, mm. So you'd only ask Luke to play on one song, you wouldn't give him a couple of songs and then pick the best one that he did the solo on? No, because I, I wouldn't sort of, you know, I wouldn't insult him, but he's, got, he's such a phenomenal guitar player, I knew whatever I was going to give him, he was going to come back with something that I loved, and which he did, I mean, the solo one you don't love many plays is... It's just insane. I mean, it's just, it really is. It's, it's a, such a soaring guitar solo. Uh, uh. Um, so, you know, I, I know, I know these guys are going to deliver. I mean, they're, that's why, that's why they're where they're at in their careers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, you, you bring up the song, You Don't Love Me. That's about a past relationship. And you, a lot of your lyrics are autobiographical. Um, well, it's not actually, it's not about a past relationship at all. Oh, is it not? No, 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 no. You, it's You Don't Love Me, I Don't Care. That's the one. It's, it's uh, basically, a, a, a little, uh, a little broadside to all the trolls and all the negativity out there and the people that, that would rather go out of the way to be negative and spread hatred and, and you know, which it, that, that begins in the mirror. You know, if you need to make somebody else feel bad about themselves, then you need to take a long, hard look at yourself and that's really what you don't love me about. Yeah. Have you ever had anyone in the past listen to your lyrics and say, did you write, and get back to you and say, did you write that song about me? 
Um, nothing that sort of springs to mind. I'm pretty good at disguising because there's a lot of songs, a lot of songs that are written about certain people that they probably don't know that they're written about them. I mean, that's uh, you know that's my sort of uh, secret way of getting back at them, as well, were, you know, and getting, and getting it out of my system. Because sometimes, like I said, I'd, I'd rather put it into a song than just load off on somebody and, and be nasty and be, be vengeful and hateful because I don't like to roll that way. And I, if I've got feelings like that, I'd rather put them into the song. Yeah, I get, think, rid of them, get rid of them that way. I think Ricky, that's the thing about lyrics. It's a lot of people have different meanings for lyrics. That you know, yeah. it'll relate. They'll relate in different ways to it. You might write a song and say this is about that, and then I might say, is it about this? And you'll say no. Well, like something like, like, don't you love me? I mean, there's no. I have no problem with you. Said you listen to one must be their relationship. If, that, if you're, that's what somebody's getting out of that, that's brilliant. Who am I to say what you know? Well, you know, you need to know that this is. No, it's like it's art. It's open to interpretation, and that's the way that it should be. And there's some people, as you know, don't don't even care about lyrics. They just, if it's a great guitar riff or a great, you know, they sing along to it. They don't they, they don't care what they mean. That's fine as well, you know. And I think that's the the beauty of of writing songs and and, and making music, you know. Yeah. Now, Ricky, the song "Fighting Heart," all about yeah. sticking with your ideals and not changing your ways to impress somebody. Did you ever change yep. your ways in the past to appease a record label and you hated doing it? Not, I don't think I've ever sold my soul. I think I've, I've given in a few times or I've acquiesced a few times when I, when I shouldn't have um, on certain decisions. Um, certainly not in the last 15, 16 years. I'm, you know, um, I've, I've, you know, if I don't agree with something, I'm very, very vocal about it now. But I think maybe when we were younger, probably certainly in the almighty, we'd maybe, maybe we listened to the people around us a little bit too much that we shouldn't have and maybe should have stuck their guns a bit more. Yeah. And you learn from that. Yeah. You, know, you absolutely learn from that. Yeah. Um, the song Time Doesn't Seem to Matter. I want to know, did you sit down at home with your wife and kids and just you and play it to them? Um, I wrote this song in Ireland. I wrote this song back in Belfast. And I had some time off between festivals and uh, I went back home to a little town called Cumber just outside Belfast where well, my family are and I was staying at my cousin's house. And I just picked up a guitar and just I wrote it about really about my youngest daughter Pepper. I kind of wrote it for her, and hmm. um, you know I was I was missing the family, but I just just wrote it for her because she was she was quite young at the time when I when I wrote it, and um, that's the reason she sings on it. You know, because I was like, yeah, the songs about you, kiddo, you, I'd love you to sing on it. So we brought her into the studio. My wife can't listen to it because it makes her cry. <laughs> you know what, Ricky? I, 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 I'm married. I got two kids, right? And I, I'm uh, listening to that song, and that's a gift you have that I wish I had. That I could do something like that. I, 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 I I'm being genuine here. I really mean that. It's an amazing gift I you have. That. Yeah. You. Well, you know, I was, I mean, that's how I was feeling. I mean, I wrote the song in ten minutes, and I brought it into Keith, and Keith suggested a couple of just a couple of chord changes in the chorus to slightly change the melody, which was a great call on his part. And we did that. And then we, you know, it's a, I remember, it's a, one of those moments of magic that I love. Was, he said, let's do a demo. Let's, let's throw it down now. And I went, ah. and I had a really bad head cold out there. I went, ah, Keith, I don't feel like, I don't feel like singing today. Can we just, can we work on something else with the guitars? And he went, oh, just throw it down. And he said, nobody's going to hear it. And he threw up a mic and I sat down with the guitar and I played it in one take. And I sang it, and we listened back, and I thought, ah, that doesn't sound too bad for somebody who's got a head cold. And my voice cracks on it a couple of times if you listen to it on the album. And, of course, we go in, we try and recreate it for the album. We can't. We spend all day getting mics and me trying to play it and get the... So we just... That's actually the demo that's on the album. We added the strings, and obviously Pepper came in and did her part later. But the actual essence of the song, my voice and the guitar, is, is one take, demo. I think, Ricky, it's, it's not there. just... It's, not, it's the essence of... It's the emotion in it. Well, yeah, so personal, you know. I mean, yeah. it really was personal, you know, because, you know, Pepper's 13 now. She was 11 when she sang on the song. And I think I've been home for, you know, obviously the pandemic's changed that. Yeah. I think up until, up until that point, I'd been home for maybe five of her birthdays and missed the school plays and the and the Thanksgivings and all that kind of thing. And it goes to the territory, and I get it. My job's amazing. I wouldn't change it for the world. But that's the one downside. And you, you, you absolutely still feel guilt. You can't help that feeling of guilt when you miss, you know, Somebody in your family's birthday, you know, and and I think that was just me trying to get, also trying to say, look, it's not the it's not the quantity of time, but it's the quality of time we have to hear that's important, and, and just trying to get that across as well in the song, you know. Yeah. Final thing, Ricky, uh, tell me about this shenanigan show you're doing next month. <laughs> I have to do a St. Patrick's show. There's no way I could 
get away with not doing one. Yeah, but uh, well, we decided we'd do it on Saturday the 13th um, just because uh, St. Patrick's Day during the week this year on the 17th. Uh, so we're, I've been doing these stage online shows. I've been doing about one a month almost for the last year now. Been a lot of fun. Been great for me, giving me something to focus on, something to work towards. Really enjoy connecting with the people on there because they can comment during the show. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm just going to play song, all songs with an Irish Connection song. Obviously, a bunch of my own. And I'm sure there'll be a Lizzie song in there and, you know, probably a bit of Land of My Own and, uh, you know, whatever else we can we can throw in there in, in the time that we're allowed, allowed to do the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you started writing the Black Star Writers album, the new one? Well, it's written. It's done. It's demoed. We're good to go. We're just waiting on the all clear to get in the studio. Nice. So uh, hopefully in the summer that'll be we'll be able to get together. I think Scotty will be able to fly over and we can all come in from all the different parts of where we live and get back in with Jay Weston, which here in Los Angeles and get album number five underway. Can't wait to get started on that. Nice, nice. So Ricky, give out all the social media sites where people can get in touch with you and pick up the record. Yep, thank you. Predominantly, uh, you know, obviously RickyWork.com is the main website. I'm easy to find. Just put on Ricky Work official on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you'll see me on there, and I'm fairly interactive with everybody on there as well, and all the links to the album and everything else. Ricky Work will be on there. All right, Ricky. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Always nice to talk to a fellow Irish man. You too. And again, man, thanks, thanks, thanks to thanks for having me on. On and uh, you know all the best and be safe. Yeah. All right, Ricky. Take care of yourself. Hopefully, I'll see you out there Cheers, at some man. stage. All right. Bye. Be safe. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And so there you have it. As promised at the beginning of the episode, great chat that Richie did with Ricky Warwick, talking about all kinds of stuff, but most importantly, wanting to dig in a little bit on his brand new solo album on Nuclear Blast called When Life Was Fast and Hard. And be sure to go pick that one up. It's available on CD as well as, you guessed it, vinyl and there's you know all kinds of bonus tracks on there as well so you got like a whole second disc of nothing but bonus tracks so if you ever wondered what it would sound like for ricky warwick and keith nelson to do a cover of maiden's wrath child then i think you're going to want to go and pick up this one and before we get out of here just a little bit of official focus on metal business for you and uh about a week two weeks ago Got a notice from our hosting provider about migration, and I went up and I checked how the migrated site was going to look, and uh, gee, imagine, it's going to be freaking broken. So anyways, going to fall back plan, and you may or may not have realized, but about a year ago, we had a hosting issue. You may have seen little bits and pieces of that up on our website, and uh, we've essentially been running Focus on Metal on a whole other platform for about a year now, actually about a year and three months. And so really all of Focus on Metal, with the exception of really the the site itself and the database behind it, all the rest of it has been on a totally different site. So, you know, just getting over the hump of getting that whole thing to make it continue to work, it wasn't going to work and I was probably going to crash and burn. So I decided that uh, I would just bite the bullet and get the whole other site that I started building back in January of 2020, get that up and running, and just migrate us over to uh, 100% on the new hosting service. So sometime coming up, you know, deadline is ultimately uh, March 19th, but sometime in the next few weeks, there will be, if you go to focusonmetal.net, hopefully it will bring you over to a brand new site and the old site will uh, slowly begin to not work anymore. If you're listening to us on iTunes, you will never notice a difference. Uh, you've been listening to us off of the new hosted site now for uh, for over a year. And uh, same thing, you know, with radio partners or if you're getting us off the RSS feed, anything like that, you're not going to be affected at all, period. End of story. Won't happen. It's just going to be if you're actually visiting the site and you want to get the latest episode right from the site, or you want to dig into old episodes and stuff like that, obviously they're up on iTunes, but uh, that's really what's going to be affected. And what I've been doing is I've been working like crazy in trying to actually pull in 11 years worth of data and then correct all the links on that data so you actually have a way on the new site of being able to stream, download, all that good stuff with the episodes. But in this case, also, lots of goodies coming up as well. So a searchable site. So if you wanted to know 
Every episode Doug Aldrich was on, you could put Doug Aldrich in the search field and bam, every episode that he was on will come up. We'll be breaking out to special, uh, the project pages and, you know, so things are going to go in multiple different ways, the way they're indexed and all that should be a little bit more usable. You know, we'll get the comments and things going as well. And from there, I don't know, Richie and I will talk about how we can actually start to make this into a more, uh, more of a community site and more of a place to go. We'll see how it goes. But I uh, just wanted to give everybody the heads up that, uh, you know, our current hosting service that uh, rhymes with uh, Blow Batty, uh, they basically suck. And their, uh, in their effort to save a whole bunch of money for themselves, they're just breaking a bunch of our stuff. But like metal, we will soldier on and continue. And like I said, I'm working hard to make sure that basically, if I didn't tell you this, you just go, oh, there's a new website and you never notice anything different. And that's the plan anyways. So anyways, for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. Go out there, pick up that brand new Ricky Warwick album. Be safe. And until we talk to you again next week, as always, remember. Focus on Metal. Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.